0: Said, for the past couple of months I have uh, had the pleasure of being a full-time youth assistant here at MRCC with Pastor Josh. Um, both of us were interns for two years prior to that in youth and worship. and man, it has been such a huge blessing to be serving with the staff on this team here at MRCC, and uh, I know that I'm super excited. Pastor Josh has such a huge heart for the students here uh, for this youth ministry, and I cannot wait to see where things go from here. Uh, I am so excited. So, uh, Pastor Greg is out of town, as Weston said. He is uh, actually across across the pond, um, cycling over there, but I do have some news, I have an update for you. (laughs) He texted me this morning and said that unfortunately, probably due to him being American and not understanding probably the which side of the road to ride on on his bike, he uh, face planted into some brambles this morning on his bike. Got all scratched up. Uh, it probably only improved uh, him, to be honest. But we're hoping that <laughs> we're we're hoping that that he makes a recovery from that. He said he wasn't seriously injured. The bike is fine. Uh, he just wanted me to share that so we can all laugh at him together. Um, But he approached me and asked if I would want to preach on a Sunday, and of course I said yes. I have not had the pleasure of of getting to speak up here. I am up here a lot. I play, you know, the keyboard, Um, occasionally I play the electric guitar, which I kind of taught myself with some help, and I'm I'm okay at it. And then uh, every now and again, which is a real treat, I get to play the bass. And let me tell you, the bass is near and dear to my heart because it is so much fun to play. I would challenge you and encourage you next time you're at a concert or worship or whatever, keep your eye on the bass player. That person's having a good time. Um, So I I get to play some instruments up here, but today the pulpit is my instrument as I get to uh, bring the word to you guys. And I would like to start my message off by asking you guys a question. I'm sure you've never been asked a question here before, but have you ever been part of something that you weren't? expecting. Sometimes we can get caught up in events that we were never planning on being involved in, and those events can change who we are. Now, if you've known me for a long time, you probably knew this was coming, but this guy um, is Luke Skywalker. And he is from Star Wars, which is one of the greatest things ever created. Uh, And Luke Skywalker was a farm boy on an isolated desert planet. I know the names of all the planets, in case you're interested, you can ask me later. And although Luke Skywalker dreamed of grand adventures, he thought he had a pretty solid idea of what he was in store for. Boring farming for the rest of his life on this backwards desert planet. Until an old Jedi master and a distraught princess showed up into his life and he was swept away from his small simple world into an epic space opera that he never could have imagined even in his wildest dreams. Uh, I titled this message Along for the Ride because I believe that Jesus wants to sweep us up into an adventure with Him, one that rivals anything we might have seen on the big screen, and I believe that that primarily happens when we serve. Uh, I'd invite you this morning to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, We'll be working out of uh, that a little bit later, but for now I'd like to tell you a little bit more about myself. Like I said, I've been here for quite some time and you've seen me around, but you might not know me very well. I grew up. Um, in a a non-church attending household, we would go to church on uh, Christmas Eve service and we would go for Easter. And that was mostly because my grandmother played the organ at a Lutheran church that we would go to. And uh, so we would go to support her and to hang out there. And I remember Pastor Dill inviting all the kids up and going to sit down in front of the, and, you know, being kind of up front when looking at everybody in the church and learning some things about who God was just from those experiences. And I also uh, attended a Christian kindergarten. Uh, my parents, you know, I, I think they wanted to kind of steer and uh, control my education uh, a little bit. So they wanted to keep us safe as kids. And, and so they enrolled us in a Christian kindergarten, not for a uh, purpose of so that we could really learn that, but just so that we would be in a safe school learning um and so I went to a Christian kindergarten, and I learned the basics of who God was there. I got to read all the stories we were taught about Jesus. And as a kid, I never really understood it that well, and I didn't receive it. Um, you know, at that time, I just wasn't really interested, and just it was just a part of school to me. At the time, uh, my parents were considering homeschooling my sister and I. They just wanted to be able to have some experiences with us. Uh, my mom really wanted to go on a bunch of vacations with us kids, and, I, they were more of educations than vacations cause we would just go and travel and learn about stuff, which actually ended up being really cool. Uh, my sister and I got to learn a lot of things that we wouldn't have in the public school system just by spending time as a family traveling, which was really cool. But the, the straw that broke the camel's back for the homeschooling thing was that I was at this Christian kindergarten and I came home one day and I had done something wrong and I don't remember what it was. Insert anything that a kindergartner would do wrong here. Um, And my excuse to my parents was, I said, look, mom, look, dad, Eve was the first one that tasted the forbidden fruit. She was at fault. Therefore, women are responsible for all the problems. It's my sister's fault. Carly did it. And I threw my sister under the bus and blamed her for everything. And my parents were like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. Don't like that. And so that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and they decided to homeschool us. Um, From that point on, from first grade all the way through uh, sophomore year of high school, I was homeschooled, and then my junior and senior year, I attended Green River College to do a program called Running Start, which some of you may be familiar with. That was really cool. Uh, I met some friends while I was homeschooled. Yes, we met friends. My parents went out of their way to make sure that uh, we got to meet people and spend time. And I had several very close friendships, uh, most of which still exists into this day that I made as a kid while I was homeschooled. And uh, one of those friends uh, invited me to youth. It was a girl named Courtney, Courtney Jackson now, but it was Courtney Travis at the time. She invited me and my sister to go to youth. And when a girl invites you to go somewhere, you don't say no, especially when you were what a 13-year-old kid at the time, like I was. I was like, "Of course I'm going. I don't have anything else going on on a Wednesday night." So I decided to show up, and uh, I sat in the back, and I had my zip up and my hood, and I would put my hood on, and I just sat there with my arms crossed, and I thought, "How cool for these people that they have this thing that they do. It's so fun for them to just get to watch." And so I was just an observer. Um, yeah, I was like, I don't really want to get into all of it. Uh, I, this is kind of weirding me out sometimes, but but I'm happy for them. And so I just kind of sat in the back for a while, and that's where I, where I, I lived for some time, just kind of hanging out. And uh, at this point in my life, you know, I, I kind of felt lost as a kid. I, I had a couple of things that I was interested in, but I didn't have anything there was no one thing that I was passionate about that I was driven towards. Unlike my sister, I'm all over the place. She like narrowed in on something. She's like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I'm like, I got no idea. So, And I also was just in this weird uh, lost place of of feeling like, what was the point? Um, we're all just going to die eventually. Nothing's worth it. Why would I put effort towards anything? It was just this really weird lost place. And uh, because of that, I kind of isolated myself. Um... I didn't feel like anything I did mattered, so I felt like I should just be an observer. And things changed when I was asked to run the soundboard for the worship team one Wednesday, and some of the leaders who I had gotten to know a little bit better uh, said, hey, do you want to learn to run the soundboard? And on the outside, I'm, you know, "Mm, sounds cool. And on the inside, I'm really excited because I was like, I'm going to get to be the guy in the chair. And if you've never heard of The Guy in the Chair, The Guy in the Chair is like this film stereotype that if you've watched any Mission Impossible movie, any action thing, they're all climbing buildings and heisting and breaking into stuff. The Guy in the Chair is outside in the van with buttons everywhere. And he's got his chair that spins and he's got screens and he's hacking the mainframe and he's the one that's opening all the doors and making stuff happen. I'm like, that's the guy I wanna be, the guy in the chair. You don't have to go inside, you don't have to worry about all the lasers, you just get to sit in your van with the screens opening doors. So I was like, I gotta be the guy in the chair. I gotta sit back here in the sound booth and I gotta twist all the knobs and push all the levers and, and make everything make sound. So, but on the outside, I'm like, I'll try it. So I get back in there and uh, they, I'd like to think I was not a weird, awkward homeschooler kid, but uh, (laughs) I'd be deluding myself a little bit uh, because I'm sure I was weird. I know I was weird. So those guys put up with me and taught this weird, crazy, awkward lost kid to run sound on Wednesday nights. And for a time, everything was blissful. I was the guy in the chair, I was running sound, I enjoyed it. Uh, And then, one of the most terrible things that could ever happen, happened. And I'm still running an investigation to this day to figure out who did it. Um, I'm pretty sure it was my sister that ratted me out, but somehow, Pastor Andy, the youth pastor at this, this youth group at the time, found out that I had an education in classical piano. Oh, and my blissful life behind the scenes being the guy in the chair was over as Pastor Andy asked me to play on the worship team. And I was like, I don't want to be up there. I want to be back here. And, uh, and then he brought out the gateway drug of worship and he said, just go up and practice. And oh man, if you've ever been involved in in worship, you know how it is. It, It just get up and practice. And I thought, Okay, how bad can that be? So I had this deep-seated fear, and actually, uh, a little bit of backstory. I had learned piano, my grandma taught my sister and I to play piano classically from uh, age six. So I'd been playing piano for quite some time. And I was never, uh, you know, that great at it, but I had learned for years, so I knew kind of what I was doing. And I, with that, yearly, I would participate in recitals. I say participate, I was forced to participate in recitals. There were workshops, there were festivals, every, like, once every two years, we'd drive to Central, and they'd have, like, this big Sonatina festival, and we'd all have to play our pieces, and and I hated all of it. For every solid week or two before each of these events, I was a useless. I was a wreck. Uh, I couldn't eat well, sleep well, and I just wanted to curl up and die. So I had this deep-seated fear of performing. To this day, I still get PTSD when I see this. Um... This is better, but this and then this one's even worse. A kid here and you can now disclaimer, that's not me and you can tell cuz there's people at his recital. Um, but yeah, images like this just bring me so much nervousness still. I'm getting better. But at the time that's where I was. And so I was like, I don't want to I don't want to play on the worship team. It's going to be the same. I was like, I don't want people to look at me and judge me and and watch me play. I don't like performing. And uh Man, I, I just was, had it in my mind that it would be the same, but he got me, he got me with the practice thing. So I was like, okay, whatever, I'll practice, because I also don't like conflict, so I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll just practice. So I go up there and I play, and it's not that hard, and I kinda know what I'm doing, and I'm playing the chords, and I'm like, okay, this is, this is fine, practicing's fun, and I'm like, these guys are pretty cool, um, way cooler than me, so I was like, maybe if I can get in here, this would be my ticket to like getting to know all the popular kids. So I'm playing, and then uh, for some reason it just turned into playing every Wednesday. I'd show up, and I'd play, and it was the weirdest thing because I was convinced it would be this same sort of terrifying feeling, and it wasn't. And as a kid, I didn't know how to explain it. I wasn't sure why it felt so different, but it just felt to me like everyone that was out there wasn't focused on me. They were focused on something else, and I couldn't explain how that felt but I knew that I enjoyed it. I knew that I, I, I liked the way it felt and there was just something uh, inside me that craved more. So uh, I've started playing regularly on the worship team um, and I began to see and hear more about Jesus. Um, I began to care more. I began to build relationships with the leaders more. And soon, showing up every week to play an instrument for fun and hang out with my friends turned into showing up every week to learn more about who Jesus was. And not too long after I began regularly playing every week on the worship team, I remember clear as day. I was uh, driving home on a Wednesday night from youth and I was just kind of in this weird lost place. I don't remember what was going on, but I was just confused and, and doubting. And, and so I, I remember just setting up a prayer and uh, I was like, Jesus, I just feel lost. And Jesus just flooded my heart with this insane sense of peace and truth. And he said, this is it. He's like, this is what you've been looking for. This is it. And from that point on, I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're right. You're right, I've been doing this a year, and I just now realized this is it. And from that point forward, I I did not really know where I was going with things, but I knew I wasn't lost anymore. I was like, I found something, and I wasn't lost. Uh, No matter what was in store, at that point on, I was along for the ride. Um, I think that when we serve, we begin to see Jesus. In John chapter 2, there's a story most of us are probably familiar with, Jesus is attending a wedding with his mother and the disciples, and the wine runs out. Now, this is like a threat-level midnight thing back in the day. Wine is gone and at a wedding, so they're like, get Jesus. Um, There are some servants there, and Jesus' mom says, listen to this guy and do whatever he says, because she knows what's up, obviously. No one really realizes, but she's like, listen to this guy, and he'll be fine. So the servants go to Jesus, and starting with verse 6, it says, Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. I also have to pause here because when I was writing this message, I realized that it is now my personal goal in life to someday have the title of Master of the Feast. Um, coolest title ever. I think I'd be a great feast master. I have lots of experience, and if anyone's looking for a feast master, come find me afterwards. I'd be happy to apply. Um, so they, they draw some out, and they take it, and starting with verse 9, it says, when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Canaan in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I'm willing to bet that his disciples were not the only ones to believe in him that night. The passage makes a point to tell us that although no one realized exactly what had happened. The servants who had listened to Jesus knew exactly what happened. They were behind the scenes. They were following every instruction from Jesus. They knew what they poured into those jars, and they knew what they drew out. Everyone at the wedding was just enjoying themselves and having a good time, but because they faithfully listened and obeyed Jesus, they were able to see some of his nature, and they were shown who God is. Uh, One pastor that I read about who surveyed his church found that 92% of its congregation said their serving or ministry positively affected their personal spiritual growth. 63% of those said their serving was just as important to their growth as praying and reading their Bible, and 25% said it was more important. Jesus knows this, and he demonstrates this later on in John by washing the disciples' feet, and then he encourages them to do the same for one another. Jesus knows that through serving, we are slowly humbling ourselves and learning to love those around us. But that is not all. When we are serving, we aren't just seeing Jesus ourselves. We are helping to reflect who he is around us. 1 Peter chapter 4, the verse that I mentioned at the beginning of this message, and we're in 10 and 11, and it reads, starting with verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. When we serve, whether we realize it or not, we are exposing other people to Jesus. When he began his ministry here on earth, many people wanted to make Jesus king, by force even, the Bible tells us. But Jesus knew that to be crowned king of the earth would not reveal as much about the father's heart as humbly serving people around him would. You never know when or how your serving might impact somebody. Uh, I read a story from a McDonald's in Indiana, and when you're feast master, you need to keep up on the McDonald's stories. So uh, this one was from Father's Day of 2017, and a customer at the drive-thru noticed a minivan behind her with a dad and all of his kids inside. And she decided, uh, told the cashier, I want to pay for their meal. So uh, she paid for them behind her, and then she leaves. And what happened next blew all of the minds of the McDonald's employees as starting with her, 167 sequential drivers paid for the meal of the person behind them and kept it going, and it only stopped when the McDonald's closed at midnight. Uh, that woman, I, I guarantee you that that woman knew that she did a good thing when she paid for that car behind her, but she had no idea what she was starting, that 167 people were going to be blessed because she decided to place another person before herself. Serving is so powerful. And can I be honest with you? What kept me coming back to culture, to youth every week was not the cool worship, although the worship was awesome. It was not the LED lights and the banners What kept me coming back every week was a desire to figure out why all those people went out of their way to bless me and spend time with me without so much as a thought of what they could get in return. They loved me because I was Brent, not because of what I believed or what I did, and even a logical, skeptical kid like me eventually realized where that love was truly coming from, all because a couple of people said that giving two hours every Wednesday night was worth it for Jesus." Max Lucado writes in his book, It's Not About Me, that the moon models our role as Christians quite well. Uh, I have a picture of the moon here in case you've never seen it. Um, (laughs) He goes on to say, what does the moon do? She generates no light. Contrary to the lyrics of the song, this harvest moon cannot shine on. Apart from the sun, the moon is nothing more than a pitch black pockmarked rock. But properly positioned, the moon beams. Let her do what she was made to do, and a clot of dirt becomes a source of inspiration and romance. The moon reflects the greater light. Because the moon does what it does day in and day out, humans were able to see it and ask questions. And we said, where's that light coming from? And every day, every night, the moon would continue to stay steady. And we were able to study and figure out that the source of the light was not the moon itself, but something greater and far more powerful. In the same way, when we show up and we do what we're called to do day in and day out, we allow people around us to question the source of our light. I think it's kind of cool being a moon because we don't have to wake up each day and wonder if we can generate light that day. We don't have to wake up and ask ourselves if we look good enough to be able to reflect properly. All we need to do is stay steady and consistent and God will handle the rest. We're just along for the ride. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I ask this morning that you would just put it on all of our hearts to reflect your love. Lord, we realize and we know that you came down here You are God. You are king. And you came down to this earth and said, I want to serve you. You washed feet. You wandered around from house to house, eating with people, building relationships, because that is your heart. Jesus, I pray that same heart for us this morning. I pray that we would go from this place and we would realize that you've called us to remain steady and to show up. And you'll reflect your light off of us, Jesus. We ask that in your name this morning. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? I hope that you guys have a fantastic rest of your Labor Day weekend. And uh, I hope that we all go from this place and be moons. Go be a moon and we'll see you next week.